Blog Talk Radio. Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be covering Chapter 4 of Polygamy in the Bible. We'll be on pages 23 through 29. The title of the chapter is Abraham and King Abimelech. listen to the reader portion of the program, and then we'll get into the commentary portion of the program. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, and the reader portion of the program is about 13 minutes long. Thank you for listening. Chapter 4 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 23-29 Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and governest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? 2 Kron 27 Many prophets have given several different descriptions of Abraham but the most commonly known are those that describe him as a friend of God and the father of the faithful. For these reasons his life should be significant to everyone, but it is especially important to us because he was a polygamist. Abraham's father, Terah, was living in Ur of the Chaldees, beyond the Euphrates, when Abraham was born, which was 400 years after the flood in an era that was still struggling through a pioneering stage from that devastating episode. Most of the people were living in conditions that were not much more than tribal communities, located in the more favorable and fertile lands. The world in general was again sinking into idolatry and wickedness. But Abraham was somewhat protected from evil lords of sin, and he avoided the practice of worshipping these idols of stone and wood. According to the book of Jasher, Abraham spent 39 years in that 24 house of Noah, and also became well acquainted with Shem. It further says that Abraham knew the Lord from three years old, and he went in the ways of the Lord until the day of his death, as Noah and his son Shem had taught him. Jasher 9, 6, according to Hebrew tradition, Shem was none other than Malchizedek, the great king and priest of Salem. Malchizedek was a true picture of a patriarchal and priestly person. He was the earth's oldest living man at that time, and it was he that gave Abraham his priesthood authority. When Abraham's father Terah died, Abraham was 75 years old with another 100 years to live. 
About this time, Abraham received the decisive revelation from God in which the Lord said, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Genesis 12, 1. It was also in this revelation that the Lord made several other very consequential promises to him. They are listed here. 1. That God would guide and bless him. 2. That God would lead him to a new land. 3. That God would make a great nation of him. 4. That his name would be great. 5. That God would bless those that blessed him. 6. That God would curse those that cursed him. 7. Through him, all the nations would be blessed. It would be difficult for Abraham to raise a family or accomplish God's mission in the conditions and the influences of a place like Haran. It was here that people worshipped and made gods of wood and stone. 25. So, Abraham set out on his journey to Sikkim, which was in the land of Canaan. Again the Lord appeared unto him and gave him further instructions and promised blessings. From here he continued to a mountain between Bethel and High, where he built an altar to the Lord. There was a famine in this land, so he continued south to Egypt. As they were about to enter the country, Abraham advised his wife, Sarai, to claim she was his sister and Dash since Pharaoh was a polygamist, and would undoubtedly want to take such a beautiful woman as one of his wives. The Lord intervened, and Pharaoh eventually learned the truth and returned Sarai to Abraham. A similar experience took place years later in Jerah, a country south of Palestine. Abraham learned that their king, Abimelech, was also a polygamist and knew that he, too, would probably want to add her to his harem. In such an event, he feared for his life and thought in order to provide safety to his family of himself, he would say that she was his sister. They met the king and sure enough he did choose her for another of his wives. But this king, unlike most men, was really an upright individual who had no intention of doing anything wrong. Neither was his polygamy like many harems scattered by other potentates of the East, as we know them. Dr. Martin Luther observed this by making the following comments. The Jews relay that, according to royal custom, Sarah was not brought to the king immediately but was kept under guard for a time. We read about the Persian king, 26, Ahasuerus, Esther 2, 2-3, that the maidens whom the king wanted were not brought to the king immediately but were anointed with oil of myrrh for six entire months, then for six more months with other perfumes, and at last were brought to the bed of the king. But if the Egyptian kings also followed this custom, the restraint of those heathen must have been great, not to be carried away headlong by their violent lust, as is the case among us. The sufferings of the Greeks and the Romans allowed themselves to be carried away completely by their lusts. The morals of the Egyptians were more virtuous, and their decency greater, than among the other nations. For although polygamy was permitted among them, 
they appear to have lived more chastely than those who observe monogamy. Similarly, King Abimelech of the Palestinians decreed the death penalty to keep Rebecca from being ravished. Genesis 26, 11. These facts prove that although there was polygamy, the decency of those nations was extraordinary. Luther's works, 2, 305. Luther mentioned another famous lady who married a king in polygamy. We read how this king, Ahasuerus, loved Esther more than all the women of his household. Esther was a Jewess, and she went through a period of waiting and purification being anointed with oil of myrrh and with sweet odors with other things for the purification of women, Esther 2.12. This preparation or purification period lasted for 12 months before she married him and, 27, became his queen. It was through Esther and her polygamous marriage that God brought about the miracle that saved all the Jews in his kingdom from being killed. It was the custom of these kings to bestow many gifts and valuable treasures, which was no small favor to the new wives. It was considered in the best taste for these kings to make such an endowment upon a woman who would become one of their wives. These kings were honorable men, too, and nearly any woman would be flattered at such an offer to be his queen, for they could hardly do any better. But returning to the account of Abraham and Sarah, the great king of Abimelech was not in a hurry for his wedding to Sarah, which dispels the idea that it was just a lustful or temporary passion that posed weight of him to the marriage. He was following the tradition of the kings of that time, and was adhering to the waiting and preparation period. This gives us the first hint that king of Abimelech was an honorable man. The English historian, Patrick noted that Abimelech was a man of great virtue in those days, not an idolater, but a worshipper of the true God, as Malchai Zemenik, the high priest. We will soon discover that this was true. It was in the midst of this joyous wedding preparation that a series of great plagues fell upon this noble Pharaoh and his kingdom. Poor Abimelech didn't know what hit him. We will notice that he must have been a righteous man, because he went right to God to know why such a thing was happening to his kingdom. Proof of his righteousness was in the fact that he was able to get an answer back from God. 28. God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Genesis 20. 3. This clearly indicates the law against adultery, or the taking of another man's wife. It was a sin that was to be punished with death. Consider this situation carefully and Ashabimelech had a wife or wives already, and now was preparing to take Sarah as another. This is polygamy. Yet this good man went to the Lord and said, Hell in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. Genesis 20, 5, how could he enter into polygamy with innocence and integrity if it was a sin? The Lord answered him and said, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. The Lord did not chastise him for his polygamy, or his polygamist intentions, but rather that he was taking Sarah who was a man's wife.
the blank sands to the Lord in his own defense was, said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. Genesis 25, Abimelech also told the Lord, Wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? And dash which is evidence that the people of his kingdom were a righteous people. This is certainly a credit to himself as a king, for he was the one who governed the people and made the laws. Nevertheless, the Lord gave the king the answers to his questions, and this good king immediately set out to correct the problem. The king went to Abraham and wanted to know why he did not tell him that Sarah was his wife. When the matter was cleared up, Sarah bestowed servants, gifts, and a thousand pieces of silver to Abraham. Then the king said, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleaseth thee. For such twenty-nine goodness Abraham prayed to the Lord to bless king of Amalek, which he did by restoring everything as it was. Also, the king would continue to have children again, for the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech. So Abraham dwelled in the land of Jerah and became a rich man, with a new understanding of king Abimelech and the principle of plural marriage. 30, chapter 5, Abraham, Sarah and Hagar. Okay, so that was the reader portion of the program. Now we'll get into the reading and commentary portion of the program. Anyone with questions on polygamy can call in. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. I will, uh, if you do call in, just press one, let me know that you want to come on the program and I'll bring you into the screening room, ask you what your question or comment is, and then if you choose to go live, that's fine, I'll unmute your mic and you can speak your mind or your thoughts or your questions. Uh, If you do not want to go live, I'll take your question off the air and then I will address it on the air. There's also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And we go live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or until we're finished. All right, well, let's get into the program. This is chapter, chapter four of Polygamy in the Bible, Abraham and King Abimelech. Thank you for listening. Okay, so I'll be reading the commentary for tonight's program. Uh, My wife and family are uh, attending something at a church that we enjoy tonight. So I'm going to do the reading. Chapter 5, Sarah, or Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Oh, wait, now we're reading Abraham and King Abimelech. Sorry about that. 
Proverbs chapter 4. Let me just get to it real quick. Okay. Abraham and King Abimelech, chapter 4 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 23 through 29. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before they, thy people Israel gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? Hold on here. Just going to move this. So it's not so loud in the recording. Anyway, that's Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. Many prophets have given several different descriptions of Abraham, but the most commonly known are those that describe him as a friend of God and the father of the faithful. For these reasons, his life should be significant to everyone, but it is especially important to us because he was a polygamist. Abraham's father, Terah, was living in Ur of the Chaldees beyond the Euphrates when Abraham was born, which was 400 years after the flood. In an era that was still struggling through a pioneering stage from that devastating episode, most of the people were living in conditions that were not much more than tribal communities. Located in the more favorable and fertile lands, the world in general was again sinking into idolatry and wickedness. But Abraham was somewhat protected from these allurements of sin, and he avoided the practice of worshiping these idols of stone and wood. According to the book of Joshua, Abraham spent 39 years in the house of Noah and also became very well acquainted with Shem, which, by the way, Shem is Melchizedek. It further says that Abram knew the Lord from three years old, and he went into the ways of the Lord until the day of his death, as Noah and his son Shem had taught him. Jasher, chapter 9, verse 6. According to Hebrew tradition, Shem was none other than Melchizedek, the great king and priest of Salem, or Shalom. (laughs) Uh, Melchizedek was a true picture of a patriarchal and priestly person. He was the earth's oldest living man at that time, and it was that he gave Abraham his priesthood authority. Actually, he wasn't the world's oldest living man at that time because Shem was the son of Noah who was still alive. Which is interesting because if Abraham was born 400 years after the flood and Noah preached for 120 years before the flood, like, and how old was Noah? Well, maybe I'm getting that wrong. I think it is 120 years. But then, so that'd be 520. And then Noah didn't start building the ark when he was a baby. So add 20 years to that, at least. But actually add more time to that because Noah had sons to help him. So I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Of course, they lived for a long time before the flood. And I know I'm here. We go off on a tangent. 
I believe that the reason that they lived for so long before the flood is because the atmosphere, the earth was actually protected by water in the atmosphere, which filtered the harmful radiation of the sun, which, um, you know, the radiation is what kills us over time and helps us or makes us age quicker. So when the flood happened, it talks about the waters coming down from above and from up uh, from beneath. I believe that the water that encircled the earth actually fell out of the atmosphere, and that's where that water came from. So uh, my theory, but that's what I believe. Anyway, but then after the flood, um, it would have started to take a harmful effect on the inhabitants of the earth um, and, uh, you know, decreasing the uh, age of the people at death and um, introducing more harmful radiation to the earth's surface. So anyway, my theories and speculations on the subject, and I don't know anything about it by revelations, just stuff I've thought of. <clears throat> and I don't know if it really matters. I, I don't care enough to get revelation on it. I just think it's interesting, and it has nothing to do with salvation or exaltation, so it doesn't matter to me. Anyway, when Abraham's father, Terah, died, Abraham was 75 years old with another 100 years to live. About this time, Abraham... Well, his name was Abram. His name before God changed it was Abram. Um, when God changed his name, he actually added um, part of the Tetragrammaton to Abraham's name and added basically his name to Abraham. So um, his name was Abram, and he became Abraham, the breath of God. Um, Sariah became Ha, which is also the breath of God, um, which is just beautiful. When you go and you study that aspect of of why God changed their names, I love that sort of stuff. But anyway, about this time, Abram, or Abraham, received a divisive, divisive revelation from God in the which God said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It was also in this revelation that the Lord made several other very consequential promises to him. They are listed here. Number one, that God would guide and bless him. Number two, that God would lead him to, the, to a new land. Number three, that God would make a great nation of him. Number four, that his name would be great. Number five, that God would bless those that blessed him. Number six, that God would curse those that cursed him. Number seven, through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It would be difficult for Abraham to raise a family or accomplish God's mission in the conditions and influences of a place like Haran. It was here that people worshipped handmade gods of wood and stone. 
We're on page 25 for those of you who are following along, and we are 28% through with the reading for today. Now, real quick, um, because I am pre-recording this, I will not be able to take calls during this recording, but I'm watching. I guarantee you. I'm driving around, like as this airs, I'll be driving around, and I will be listening, and I will be watching the studio. So if you do want to call in, I will bring you into the call screening room as soon as I get to a spot where I won't break up. And uh, after the <clears throat> the commentary portion of this radio uh, program podcast, I will bring you up on the air, or I will address the questions that that you have for me about theology or polygamy. So guest call number is 917-889-8827. Continuing on, so Abraham set out on his journey to Sechem, which was in the land of Canaan. Again, the Lord appeared unto him and gave him further instructions and promised blessings. From here, he continued to to a mountain between Bethel and Hai. Hai. <laughs> it's H-A-I. I don't know if you say Hai or Hai. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Anyway, but that's where God sent him to, where he built an altar to Jehovah our Elohim, which is the God over Michael, Jesus, and all of us, actually. There was a famine in the, this land, so he continued south to Egypt, or Mitzurim, which is the Hebrew word for Egypt. Anyway, um, as they were about to enter the country, Abraham, or Abram, it drives me nuts, okay, so use Abram's name before he became Abraham, but I guess... Everybody knows him by Abraham, so maybe I'll just read the text and not throw too much of a fit about it. But anyway, <laughs> Abraham advised his wife, so, sorry, now I'm all confused, Sarah, <laughs> to claim she was his sister. Since Pharaoh was a polygamist and would undoubtedly want to take such a beautiful woman, woman as one of his wives, the Lord intervened, and Pharaoh eventually learned the truth and returned Sarai to Abram. Abraham. Whatever. A similar experience took place years later in Gerar, I guess, a southern a country south of Palestine. Okay. It drives me a little bit nuts that people use the word Palestine. It's not Palestine. They, that the anti-Semites have named the land of Israel Palestine because they're trying to um, say it was part of Philistine, but it never was part of Philistine. Before it was Israel, it was Canaan or Canaan. So the Philistines were the enemies of the Jews, so that's what the enemies of the Jews want to name it now. And uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that Og didn't use 
those words when it is the anti-Semites that actually came up with that word, Palestine. Anyway, Abraham learned that their king, Abimelech, was also a polygamist and knew that he, too, would probably want to add her to his harem. In such an event, he feared for his life and thought in order to provide safety to his family and himself, he would say that she was his sister. They met, met the king, and sure enough, he did choose her for another one of his wives. But this king, unlike most men, was really an upright individual who had no intention of doing anything wrong. Neither was his polygamy, like many harems gathered by the by other potentates of the East, as we know them. Dr. Martin Luther, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. <laughs> I, there's actually, I, I hear people, when I talk about Martin Luther, they always say, Martin Luther King? And then I'm like, no, the Protestant reformer. Well, who's that? I only know about Martin Luther King. So, anyway... Uh, Dr. Martin Luther observed this by making the following comments, quote, The Jews relate that according to royal custom, Sarah was not brought to the king immediately, but was kept under guard for a time. We read about the Persian king Hosserus and Ether or Esther, Esther, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, that the maiden, maidens whom the king wanted were not brought to the king immediately, but were anointed with oil and mirth for six entire months, then for six more months with other perfumes, and at last were brought to the bed of the king. But if, if the Egyptian kings also followed this custom, the restraint of those heathen must have been great not to be carried away headlong by their violent lust, as is the case among us. The so sovereign, sovereigns of the Greeks and Romans allowed themselves to be carried away completely by their lusts. The morals of the Egyptians were more virtuous and their decency greater than among the other nations, for although polygamy was permitted among them, they appeared to have lived more chastely than those who observed monogamy. monogamy. Similarly, King Abimelech of the Palestinians decrees the death penalty to keep Rebecca from being ravished, and that is in Bereshit, or Genesis chapter 26, verse 11. These facts prove that although there was polygamy, the decency of those nation, nations was extraordinary. And that is uh, from Luther's works by, by Martin Luther, who was born in the late 1400s. And uh, that's volume 2, page 305. Luther mentioned another famous lady who married a king in polygamy. We read how this king, Ahasuerus, loved Esther more than all the women of his household. Esther was a Jewess, 
and she went through a period of waiting and purification, being anointed with oil and mirth and with sweet odors, with other things for the purification of women. After chapter 2, verse 12, this actually reminds me of something, and I, I know it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but my wife, I, I like to tease her because she does Young Living, which, if you don't know what that is, like, they have a lot of, like, essential oils and stuff and a whole bunch of health food stuff and vitamins and all this, and I always tease her that she's part of the cult of Young Living. But anyway, she comes downstairs today, this morning, uh, with a bottle of some essential oil and starts putting it on my forehead and behind both ears on the back of my neck. <laughs> I just, uh, I was just thinking about that because we're talking about how these women were anointed uh, all the time. And my wife is always, she spent a bunch of money and got two uh, Holy Land kits, which is mirth and frankincense and all of these, like, um, oils that are biblical, and she's always, like, putting them on me, and um, I don't ask her why, but she likes them, and they smell good, so I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I just I just thought of that, and uh, this text reminded me of that. And she did that this morning, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm sitting in my chair. Um, I just brushed my two younger daughters, the seven-year-old and the eight-year-old, their, their hair, so that I could try to help out a little bit as I'm trying not to fall asleep. And I had just done that, and I was sitting there, and I was kind of feeling nauseous because I forgot to eat last night, um, and I'm a diabetic. I got poisoned in the oil field, it solidified my gallbladder, and it screwed up my pancreas, and uh, it really screwed up a bunch of other things too, but luckily, Everything but my, my gallbladder, which was turned to a solid rock, they actually, when they took it out, it was completely solidified because of the poisons that I was poisoned with in the oil field like 10 years ago or 12 years ago or whatever it was. Anyway, but my pancreas also has issues. And in fact, um, I didn't. I know. Here we go off on tangents, but you know what? That's part of the commentary portion of the program. Sorry about that if you don't like it. But anyway, um, Kim thought maybe I might be diabetic um, years ago. And so she got a blood test thing, and she pricked my finger, and she did the test, and it was 952. And she's like... Oh, that's crazy. And I was like, what? What? I don't know. And I was like, where, where is it supposed to be at? And she's all like around 100. And the doctor was like, how are you even alive right now? And I was like, because we went to the doctor after that. And I was like, I feel fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel fine. Like, I don't know why everybody's freaking out. Anyway, but um, back then... I used to, uh, I was a directional driller in Florida when we first got married. 
and when I wasn't hauling equipment around or digging holes for the drill bit to go down into, I was helping all the Mexicans dig ditches. And because um, I, I was like, I want to work out, and I kind of like digging. And Florida is easy to dig because the whole state is like nothing but sand, sand and sandstone, and then lots of roots because there's lots of plants in Florida. But anyway, so I'd be out there digging, and every day I would take two 100-ounce mugs filled with fruit, uh, let's see, half fruit punch and a quarter lemonade and a quarter Sprite and and then ice. And uh, that's what I was drinking, like 200 ounces of that crap every day. So if I hadn't had been poisoned, I probably would have gotten diabetes with that crappy diet that I was on there for a while. But, um, and I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but anyway, um, oh, I was telling you why I was sick this morning. Uh, anyway, so, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm feeling kind of sick and my, um, my eyes were closed and she comes and sneaks up on me and just puts the stuff on me. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, I love my wife. But she cracks me up sometimes. Anyway, let's get back to the reading. We are actually 58% done with the reading for today. So it's probably going to be a, a shorter program, seeing as how nobody ever calls in. Which, by the way, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. This preparation for purification Can you hear me? period... Oh lasted for 12 months before she married him and became his queen on page 27. It was through Esther and her polygamous marriage that God brought about the miracle that saved all the Jews in the kingdom from being killed. It was the custom of these kings to bestow many gifts and valuable treasures which was no small favor to the new wives. And by the way, real quick, this story is commemorated every year by the Jews. It's called Purim. And Purim is a memorial holiday. It's not one of the holy days of Jehovah, but it is a memorial holiday like Hanukkah, and it's coming up. And if you are in Utah or can travel to Utah, uh, we're probably going to be doing a Purim party. And Purim is all about this topic, Esther. Like, I don't think people realize just how important Esther was. Satan tried to destroy the line that Jesus would be born through over and over and over again. And God saved Israel and the Jews because of what happened with this woman. This woman was a direct, not descendant, Jesus was a direct descendant of this woman. This stuff is so important, but people, they, it's passive to them. They don't, they don't realize it or they don't care. But the Jews, 
they might not care about Jesus. Well, I do. I'm a Jew, but whatever. But this is important because Satan was trying to destroy the whole nation of Judah. To destroy the line that Jesus would come through. And Jesus is Mashiach ben David, or Mashiach ben Judah, or the Messiah from the tribe of Judah through the house of David. And this this holy commemoration, this Memorial Day, is coming up shortly. So anyway, oh, let's see here. It was considered the best taste for these kings to make such an endowment upon a woman who had become one of their wives. These kings were honorable men, too, and nearly any woman would be flattered as such an offer to be his queen, for they could hardly do any better. But returning to the account of Abraham and Sarah, the great king Abimelech was not in a hurry for his wedding to Sarah, which dispels the idea that it was just a lustful or temporary passion that persuaded him to the marriage. He was following the tradition of the kings of the time and was adhering to the waiting and preparation period. This gives us a first hint that King Abimelech was an honorable man. The English historian Patrick noted that Abimelech was, quote, a man of great virtue in those days, not an idolator, but a worshiper of the true God as Melchizedek, the high priest, um, so the true God, I know I talk about, and we just got done with the whole, Michael is the father of our spirits and our, our flesh, but Jehovah is our Elohim. He is above all. So it's kind of like with the church. Okay, so with the church, um, Jesus is supposed to be the head, and then you've got the president of the church and his two counselors, and then underneath them you've got the quorum of the 12 apostles, and then you have the quorums of the 70 apostles. And they're they're called 70 apostles by God. Whatever, I'm not even going to get into that topic right now. Anyway, but for this earth, it's kind of the same way, except for instead of Jesus being the head of the church, it's Jehovah who is the head of the first presidency of this earth. And Jesus and Jehovah are not the same person. I've I've gone over that ad ad nauseum over and over and over. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can ask me. Call in. Guest call in numbers 917-889-8827. I'll explain it to you. However, (laughs) um, Jesus was selected by the Elohim, which is the council of the exalted mighty ones who are under the direction of God, the eternal father. Jehovah or Jehovah or Elohim brought Michael to this earth and instructed and showed Michael how to create this earth. And then Michael was the one that did it. He is God, the father or God, the creator, God, the first as Joseph Smith taught. Um, and he is the president of this earth, and Jehovah is over him. Same way that we have a president of a church and Jesus is over the church. It's the same 
the same concept, basically, the same structure. Um, so below, so above. It is what it is. Anyway, and then um, Michael, or God, uh, the creator, who is our father, spiritually and physically, <laughs> uh, he has two counselors. Those two counselors are God, the Redeemer, who is Yeshua, who we call Jesus, who is Mashiach ben uh, Judah through the house of David, or Messiah ben Judah, or Messiah ben David. Like, it's all the same person. Jesus is that first counselor or apostle of the Father, and God the witness or testator is the second witness or counselor or apostle of the Father, and he is called Mashiach ben Yosef. Uh, well, let's see. I always get this mixed up. Okay, so Messiah, son of Ephraim, son of Joseph. Messiah ben Ephraim ben Joseph, or Messiah ben Joseph, whatever. Um, Lucifer was meant to be that person before he rebelled. And he is, he was the evening star. Now, okay, so I, I haven't talked about this in years, but it's coming back to me uh, to talk about it. So the first presidency of this earth consists of the morning star who is Father Adam, who is God the Creator, who is the Father both spiritually and physically, who is under the direction of Yehovah our Elohim. He is the morning star that Michael is. The sons of the morning star before the rebellion were Jesus, premortal Jesus, and the man who had the office of Hillel or the light bearer, or the bearer of truth and light, who in Latin is called Lucifer. And he, and that's the office of the evening star, and Jesus holds the office of the bright and morning star. So um, these offices pertain to the history of this earth in that Michael who is the morning star came in the morning of the history of this earth when jesus says i do nothing except for what i see the father do it's because the father descended and left his place and came down to populate an earth and even before that before an an older earth um, our father adam was a redeemer just same as jesus was and before that, he was uh, a testator or God the witness, same as I am. So, um, the next one in the uh, order of the dispensations of things is the uh, is Jesus, who is uh, Yeshua, who is the bright morning star, who comes in the noon of the history of this earth and the meridian of time for the second great dispensation. So there's three great dispensations within a, within a telestial age. And we're still in that telestial age. 
when the millennium comes, there will be more dispensations. So when people are like, this is the last dispensation, okay, put it in context because it's not the last dispensation. It's just the last dispensation of the terrestrial time. But anyway, so the, the, the bright morning star of Jesus came in the meridian of the history of this earth. And the evening star, who Lucifer was, he held that office before he rebelled and lost his name and title, Hasatan, or he became Hasatan. He was Hillel, which in Latin is Lucifer, which means bearer, bearer of light and truth. That's who the man who became Satan was before he fell. That's why he is perdition. But that's also why he's called a god, because he attained to the level of a god before he fell and before he became the perdition that he is. And the testator would come in the evening of the history of this earth and that's why he's called the evening star and I know most of you just realized that I am telling you who I am who I was before this mortality was just a character but the true person of who I am is the witness of the Father and the Son. That is why I have seen them face to face and embraced them in the flesh. When God told me and he showed me all of these things, and he showed, because he kept saying, he kept trying to tell me that I was the one mighty and strong. And I was like, no way, no way, no way. And um, and then my aunt, she, because I wasn't listening, I, would, I just refused to listen because it was too preposterous, too fantastic that I would be anyone, really. Um, my aunt received revelation about who I am and just that I was one mighty and strong. And I just thought that she was nuts and that she was being deceived by the devil. And when the whispering came into my mind about who I am, I refused it and I didn't want to hear it. But when I was finally broke down, completely broke down, and I was asking God why I was being excommunicated from the church without a trial, our Father in Heaven came to me, and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And so I asked him who I was, and he took me up in the spirit, and he showed me the war in heaven, and he showed me a platform. And on the platform, there were three thrones, and there were men standing up in front of those thrones. And I was taught that this is a, a vision of the preexistence, and this was our Father and our Redeemer and Lucifer, who all stood at their positions of authority in front of 12 who were mighty and strong. And I was taught that the Father, the Son, and the Witness are also mighty and strong, so there's 15 for this earth. And I saw Lucifer rebel, 
and lose his place and his name and his title. And he was cast out along with others of the ones who were mighty and strong, along with many of the noble and great ones and many others of the host of heaven. These individuals who fell with Lucifer when he became Satan, they are his arch demons. And I saw the Father and the Son leave their position or their thrones or places of authority and come down among us who remained, who were the council of mighty and strong ones, which there are 12, or there were 12 before the rebellion. And I saw the Father and the Son choose me to take the place of Lucifer. to be the witness or testator. So when I talk about these things and talk about things that I know, I it's not just speculation. I know a little bit about these subjects because I know who I am. And God has showed me this and many other places in history where I've been spoken of but that's why I have the insights that I have on these things, because I am the witness. And Mark Lichtenwalter is just a character in a play. It's not who I really am. When I ask God why why he chose me to have my calling and election made sure before I knew who I was, he said, it's not because of who you are now. It's because of who you were then. And the only way I can describe this and try to put it in a modern context is Tom Hanks is not Forrest Gump, but Forrest Gump is a character in a movie or a play or whatever that Tom Hanks is in. But Tom Hanks has other characters for other movies, and that's kind of like with multiple mortal probation. We can come down as one person, but that's not who we are. But that's the person we're known of in history. And right now I'm known by the name Mark Lichtenwalter. But that's not who I am. Anyway, um, I'm going to have to do two parts to this um, because I, my, that, the clip, the radio clip only allows me to do so long and then it won't let me upload it. And I don't know how long exactly that is, but if I have to upload it, uh, it'll put it as a podcast, but it won't let it do the live radio show. So maybe we can get Emmett to read. Hopefully we can. We'll see. I don't know. Um, they're doing a dinner tonight at the church. Uh, but Emmett, he likes to stay home. He's like me. I don't want to go anywhere. Like, I don't even want to drive to Carbon County in my car. Like, I drive my semi-truck and that does work. And I would rather just stay home and never leave the property ever again. I don't even care. It doesn't even matter to me. <laughs> I think Evan's the same way. He doesn't want to go anywhere ever. 
even fun things. He's like, eh, I don't want to go. I like being home. Anyway, and I didn't used to be that way, but oh my gosh, I've changed a lot in the last couple years, I guess. Anyway, so let me just... Um, Let me just read till the next page. The English historian Patrick noted that Abimelech, Abimelech was a man of great virtue in those days, not an idolator, but a worshiper of the true God as Melchizedek the high priest. We will soon discover that this was true. It was in the midst of this joyous, joyous wedding preparation that a series... A series of great plagues fell upon the noble Pharaoh and his kingdom. Poor Abimelech did not know what hit him. We will notice that he must have been a righteous man because he went right to God to know why such a thing was happening to, the, to his kingdom. Proof of his righteousness was in the fact that he was able to get an answer back from God. All right, so I'm going to end this. That was page 27. We'll be on page 28. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's uh, 917-889-8827. is in Manhattan, uh, New York, area code number and phone number or whatever. And uh, we're 76% through the reading. So uh, if I could pick it up at page 28. Okay. Um, I am getting on there right now for him. Um, I'm trying to get to page 27. I think it was 28. 28. Um, yeah, I was trying to go there. Okay. So here we are. I've got it opened up. Hopefully this sounds... Um, great and normal. You sound so better be... than the recording. Oh, okay. Um, so we have... I, I actually... Um, hold on. I got to... Okay. I have to apologize. Um, so yesterday or the day before, whenever it was that I recorded that, You're fine um, I did the first part and then um, I realized that that you guys would be busy tonight and I was like, oh, I better record as much as I can. And so I recorded, but I recorded it on Chapter 5's recording, not Chapter 4's recording. So then I was like, oh, man. And you can't edit the flipping clips in the recording. So I like was like, okay, I'm going to take this phone, and I'm going to take this phone, and I'm going to like record the first part. And then I'll pause it, and then I'll, like, switch over to the other one and record the other part, and then it'll be recorded. And that clip was way loud in the beginning. Like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, no, technical difficulties. Hopefully I didn't scare everybody off. And if you're just coming into this and you're going to listen to the recording later, just turn your volume down in the first, like, little bit, because I'm trying to figure – I'm trying to get it figured out. It's really hard for me – to adjust the audio on the audio clips when I am trying to work. Luckily, when that happened, I was at the mine, so I was parked waiting in line to get loaded. So that was nice. I was able to, but it was it's still difficult. So anyway, um, before you finish the reading, are you home yet, or are you in the car still? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Am I sorry? I couldn't hear you. You were mute. You. you I don't me? know what you were before. I can hear you now. That's oh. why I'm responding to you. Are you at home, okay. or did you make a home? Did you make a home? I am. No, I'm not home yet. Okay. So Emmett uh, had to go to the yeah. hospital today. He has Omicron. They don't know if that's what it is, but yeah. Also, um, so is COVID also, positive. I mean, we talked a little bit more with our doctor, and there's some other things that I'll tell you about later offline. <laughs> oh, okay. I was actually yesterday. He's been sick this whole week, and like yesterday and today, when I woke up, I was like, Emmett. And he's all, what? And I was like, stop getting COVID all over my house. <laughs> so anyway, he's just got a cold, and it's not that bad. So luckily, it's not that bad. But he is throwing up, and he does have a fever and all the other symptoms. What, eight, eight of the symptoms? Yeah, he has like eight of the 12 symptoms. Yes. But he's very tired. Like, he's exhausted. But so, he hasn't lost his yeah. sense of smell yet or taste. Right. He just doesn't like, he thinks everything tastes like garlic, he says. <laughs> well, some people might like that. I don't like know that. what that is. <laughs> mm, this know, strawberry yeah. tastes like garlic. Charles <laughs> <laughs> knows literally everything tastes like garlic. The doctor specifically said that everybody will be fine, but don't give it to your dad. That's what he, That's what he said. Because I have diabetes and other health issues. But you know what? It's interesting, people. I got the diabetes, yeah, because it got poisoned in the oil field like 10, 11 years ago. But all right, so um, when my wife had Delta, the, the other COVID thing, like she was sleeping all over my pillows and in the bed and like uh, before we knew she had COVID I would like I'd be like give me kisses and like she'd like try to give me her cheek and I'd like kiss her on the lips just because I'm ridiculous and I never got it I tested negative this one is supposed to be more contagious also better for you it's better for you because you get antibodies after you have it, which is better than well, any Well, I got made. it the last time, too, so I don't know. They said that I should be fine, but everybody else has to quarantine. That's what he said. He was like, well, you already had the other one, so it should be fine. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. Okay, like, okay, well, uh, we're, we're on page 28, and I am at the spur. Hold on. Green yep. light to the three. And so I will mute myself while I jump in and out of the truck and dump all of my coal all over the place. Yeah, and I'll be yep. back on as soon as I can get back on. Okay. Hopefully the audio is okay in the car. He's going to read um, while I'm driving because, you know, driving and reading I can do. I'm actually uh, oh, pretty good. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kim, you know that if you're sitting in the passenger seat, you can't hear the person who is speaking because the mic is, like, pointed at you, not at him. Emma, say something. 
Hi. That's not what I said to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hey, if the audio's bad, people can go read it for themselves. But I'll I'll have to mute myself because I'm about to get up on this grizz and drop my load. So I will. uh, Here, let me do it. I'll show you what it sounds like when I read and drive. God came to have okay, a dream. Okay, don't stop. Kimberly? <laughs> I got to Listen, listen. I have Sorry. to get out of this truck. Okay. okay. I know. I'm muting myself. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Yeah. I made your heart go. <laughs> okay. So I guess we will have him read since uh, we don't want to get in trouble. And he's going to read loud, right, Emmett? Right. Okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> Um, God came to Elwick in a dream one night and said, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is the man's wife. Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. This clearly indicates the law against adultery, or the taking of another man's wife. It was a sin was to be punished with death, or that was to be punished with death. Consider this situation carefully. Talmud, however you pronounce his name, had a wife or wives already, and now was preparing to take Sarah as another. This is polygamy, yet this good man went to the Lord and said, In the integrity of my heart and the innocency of my hand, I have done this. Genesis chapter 20, verse 5. How could he enter into polygamy with innocence and integrity if it was a sin? The Lord answered him and said, Yea, I know that thou didst or didst in that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. What's your mouth done? The, the Lord did not chastise him for his polygamy or his polygamist intentions, but rather that he was talking or was taking Sarah who was a man's wife. Albamac's answer to the Lord in his own defense was said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she even said herself that he is my brother. Genesis chapter uh, chapter 20, verse 5. Okay. That one. Yeah. I get it out? Okay. Next. <laughs> I also told the Lord, Wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? A righteous nation. Which is evidence that the people of his kingdom were a righteous people. This is certainly a credit to himself as a king. For he was the one who governed the people and made the laws. Nevertheless, the Lord gave the answers to his questions, and this good king immediately set out to correct the problem. <coughs> oh, one second. Uh, which he did by restoring everything as it was. 
Also, the king would continue to have children again, for the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the houses of Abraham. So, so Abraham dwelt in the land of Gerar and became a rich man with a new understanding of King Abomech and the principle of plural marriage. And that is the end of chapter 4. Yay. Yay, good job, we did it. Oh, I have a headache. <laughs> And I forgot to warn everybody that since Emmett is the one who's reading right now, and he has Omicron, that you need to put your face mask on when you're listening to this podcast, because it might get you. Oh my goodness, you're, uh, you're so ridiculous, but some people had complications, <laughs> I don't know. With I mental facilities. It's like yawning. It's already yawn right now, and you can hear me yawn. You could probably get COVID from this. <laughs> yeah. I have a face mask on. I just want you to know this is me in a face mask. Right? Are you turning <laughs> inside out though? So oh. you the particles one way. I am masked. So at least um, you're not like those people who drive around in the car by themselves with the mask on. Well, I made him wear his too because I don't want his. Um, bio Obi-Con? medical <laughs> uh, germs. Emmett, put it back on. My, my disease particles. Stop talking with S's with that off. <laughs> I will anyway. cross my teeth. <laughs> so, if you would like to be part of this ridiculous conversation, you can call in. The guest call in number is 917. 917- There's also a chat room available, but uh, I don't know. I got the recording for tomorrow's program done too because I thought I was going to have to go pick up the kids so you could do your training. But uh, we can solve that problem for you. (laughs) You're welcome. Wait, maybe you'll still have to pick up Arius. I don't know. Just kidding. Uh, We'll keep him home. (laughs) Arius will be happy to be home. He always loves being home. Yes, but he's not staying with Emmett. He can stay with Liddy. (laughs) Yes, Liddy, who has to be in quarantine. I bet she's going to love this. Wasn't Liddy sick a couple of days ago? Uh, Olivia is not going to love it because she is not going to be able to go to her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Good. Yay! I think she should quarantine. Tell her that she has to quarantine because she's a 13-year-old girl and she's more susceptible until she's 26. (laughs) Oh, that is too sad, isn't it? Yes, it's so super sad. Yeah, I don't know about um, how I'm supposed to give this message to the school because I'm not going to Emory in the morning, and I'm not going from one place to the other. So, Dad, I can't make your food. You'll get kicked in Canada. Hey, I took off that glass of rain and hold on. So I guess. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to hear these people talking on the radio. Like, there's a guy who I guess he's got a bigger radio. I can hear him talking, all of his nonsense, but I can't hear who he's talking to. And I have to have it on this stupid channel until I get out. 
of the facility. Uh, but I'm yeah. almost out of the facility. So, yay, Rich Road. I can turn it back to the other CB channel, and I don't have to hear this. Go home already. He didn't respond to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had another yeah. one of our silkies die. Yeah, all the white ones are dead. Yeah, and uh, one of the other two of the other chickens were not being amazing too, and it was getting ticked on. So I don't know what's the deal with that. I think they got exotic Newcastle disease. Emmett thinks it's exotic Newcastle disease. It's contagious disease that causes muscular spasms and it's paralysis. So does that mean all of the birds are going to get it? Unless they're vaccinated for it, yeah. How do we vaccinate every bird? Uh, you have to oh. I'm not vaccinating 30 birds. <laughs> we don't have 30 Why? birds. Do we have 30 yeah, we birds? Yeah, we do. Oh, my God. Not anymore because Tim. those ones died. Yeah. Oh, we, we don't eat silkies. They're just pets. Nice. We're just going to take the ones that we like to get vaccinated and the rest <laughs> of them. It's going to be natural selection, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Crazy so, I was going to uh, the vet <laughs> Yeah. He was actually walking in front of me today and like wasn't even trying to run away. I was like, Crazy, get out of the way. Crazy's our rooster. He's a good rooster. Um hi. So I feel like our, uh, maybe uh, you could heal them, maybe? What do you think? The you want me to heal the chickens? Yeah, couldn't that happen? Uh, then I have to pay for them to eat. <laughs> uh, he's got a good right. point, though. Oh. 86 this. Did you, uh, <laughs> are you home now? Yeah. I am, I'm home. <laughs> so, Emmett, quit getting your COVID all, all over mom's car. It was outside the window. Hey, Emmett, what did you say when I was like, Emmett, you have Omicron, and you said something about Abercrombie and Finch? I'm like, no, I got Abercrombie and Finch. <laughs> that is a 90s disease. We are over it. It has been exterminated, except for it's still in thrift stores. Uh, um, somewhere, I think, probably. <laughs> Anyway, so Kim. Out. Okay. So I was thinking about, like, the polygamy issue and Jacob and Leah and Rachel and Zipa and Zilba or whatever their names are. Anyway, I was thinking, okay, well, these people think that polygamy is an abomination. Well, in the resurrection, like, is Jacob going to have to be forced to be with his first wife? who he did not love, Leah, or is he going to be with Rachel, the one that he did love? I mean, he loved them all eventually, but he really loved Rachel. So, like, in the millennium, when everybody's resurrected, you know, for these people who believe polygamy is an abomination, like, is God going to separate their families and segregate them? It doesn't make any sense. 
you know, if it was an abomination, then he would, God wouldn't have chose Jacob, who was already a polygamist, to be the person that he called Israel, which means uh, prevails with God, you know? What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it, honestly. I know. Uh, I just coming out I, here. She's mad. I'm going to lock her out of the car. Oh, no. <laughs> on the court, I'm on the radio old. show. I'm, I'm on the radio so show. So just in case, just in case everybody wants to know, Olivia, <laughs> spelled backward, is Attila. She is Attila <laughs> the Hun. Not the Han, the Hun. Hold on. Like honey. The Amber, wait. Yep. Attila the Hun. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sure. That's what we huh? thought of. Uh, now the other trial is coming out. Of. Everybody. You tell them Everybody's all that they can't out. come out because they're quarantined and now they're all coming out. Because <laughs> mom's outside <laughs> and they all want to see mom. Oh, mom's home. Yay. And they all run out. You have to be quarantined until Monday, they said. I don't want to That's what your paper says, that he wrote your yeah. name on the paper. Oh, hold on, hold on. And I specifically remember that she had to be quarantined until she was 26. <laughs> Mom. But no boyfriend for you. I know. What was that? You can't play Prodigy tomorrow. You can play Prodigy at home. Your teacher will give me the stuff and you can play Prodigy. Uh, I know my password. Oh, if you know how your password is. Wait a minute, I think I know. Mm -hmm. I only know five times. Well, the other kids are going to use that laptop to use it. She still wants to do her work and she can. So she does a game called Prodigy, which is actually MASH. It's like Alex. Yeah, and it's way so fun. And they love it. It's kind of like. um, they also do the penguin game. What yeah, about it? Yeah, but Nobody's hanging out with nobody. Everybody's quarantined. Yeah, you, you want to tell them not about being a truck driver? I don't get unemployment for being laid off because uh, there's no reason for it. You know, I have to work still even if I'm sick unless I am dizzy or something. And my I'm boss so has gotten go us a Lysol. Well, that's because you had it already. But now i got to spend a half an hour every day Lysoling everything down again, which is boring. I don't get paid for it. Oh, not fun. Um, not right now because I'm going to have to go and do this online school. But my laptop's up in my room. You can use that. Well, Dad's is. Yeah. Yes. But um, I have groceries in the back. Okay, let me finish the radio okay. show, and then I will, yeah. <laughs> like, now they're all concerned. Oh my That's what God. happens. Everybody's concerned, yeah. So, Emmett is now Emmett the Goat Master Omicron. That's his new name. That, well, I mean, maybe he does have the other one, and I have the other one. I don't know. His real name should be Emmett the Gulp. Gulp. That was actually the next 
freak letter that was supposed to be the next variant, but they skipped over it because they don't want to offend uh, the emperor of China, whatever his name is, uh, President Xi. So yes. they're like, oh, we can't name it that. He'll be offended. So, so we're all we're all dealing with Omicron right now, which another thing that's interesting about this, when have they ever named the common cold before? Because if you go back in the Noah Webster's dictionary or any other dictionary for that matter, and you look up the word COVID, it will tell you that it is the common cold. So somehow, somehow we've got a, and they said, they said that they can't, they cannot uh, get a vaccine for the common cold. There's no vaccine and they have no way to make a vaccine for the common cold. And now COVID comes out, you know, this variant, which is the common cold, and all of a sudden they know how to make vaccines for it, which is weird because more people are dying this year with the vaccinations that were dying before the vaccinations were distributed. So that's interesting. Uh, the whole thing changed, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. The, this one seems to be less difficult to uh, get. Well, it's easy to get, but no, everybody just gets to get. and gets better. Yeah, it's the common cold. Like, when this pandemic yeah. first started, looking at China, because I watch the news all the time. I was watching what was going on in December of 2019 and January of 2020. China had people falling over dead in the streets. It was like a zombie apocalypse, right? And they got us all really scared. And then it hit the shores, and none of the stuff that we saw happening in the propaganda that we were fed happened. Yes, people died. But it wasn't like how they were saying it was going to happen. And uh, the other thing, too, that's interesting about this pandemic is, like, all of a sudden... Everything that killed people before, that did, none of that happened anymore. Everybody was dying of, of COVID. Well, that's interesting. Like, and they, they've come out and they've admitted, like, yeah, like, we counted it as COVID death, death even if they had terminal cancer. Like, getting in a motorcycle accident, oh, it was a COVID death. So, I don't know. It's just all propaganda. And like I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, when I asked God about this in March of 2020, he told me that the pandemic, that the COVID-19 was serious, but that the cure for it would be far, far worse. And I can't remember exactly how he told it to me, but that's the gist of it. And I believe him. You know, and I know that there's plagues that are coming, and I know that there will be worse ones, because in 2013, certain things were severed, and plagues began to roll forth. And then by 2015, God told me that he had released uh, plagues, uh, spiritual, mental, and he would begin to release physical plagues on the earth. And, um, you know, in the scriptures, it says all these things will be like birth pains. So, like, when you're having labor, like, it starts off with small contractions, and by the time you have the baby, uh, ow, it hurts, apparently. I, 
I've witnessed it a couple of times. Kim has experienced it <laughs> a bunch of times. So, but Kim. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to be too loud because I took it off the car. Can you hear me? And now it's probably yeah. going to be really loud because I don't have my headset yet. Oh, it's fine. Can you hear me? Um, yeah. I was just talking about birth pains, but uh, I was going to say, but even after all of the birth pains, kidney stones is far, far worse, <laughs> which I've been lucky not to have. But Kim is not so lucky. I Are you muted again? Hello? Kimberly. Okay, apparently Kimberly's gone. I don't know where she went. So I guess we'll just finish with the radio program. I wasn't able to adjust the audio on the end music because um, I'm driving and whatever. So, oh, Kim dropped off. All right, yeah, so I'm just going to end the program. Um, and I'll have to adjust. I'll have Emmett adjust it tomorrow, hopefully, when uh, when he's home all day. So, all right, well, thank you for listening to the program. Sorry about the audio problems. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye.